As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head on over to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. <laughs> What's up, guys? We're back once again, week number 10. Oh, the last one between us and a much needed break, a much needed bye week. And, uh, you know, hopefully on the other side of this thing, when we get to week 12 uh, within the Green Bay game, we'll have, uh, you know, we just signed Eric Cush. Hopefully he'll be ready to go by then. We'll have come to the realization that Rashad Coward is garbage and he won't be starting. We'll have Cody Whitehair back, a healthy Sam Mustafa, so maybe Mustafa at center. White hair on one side, you know, maybe even bring Eric Cush to replace Afidi because he's been a disaster. Something, just anything. Hopefully we'll see some changes uh, after this football game if we don't get to see him in this football game. But, um, uh, you know, I I, <laughs> uh, you, we, I had a great conversation with, with Chris Gates. He's my guest this week from the Daily Norseman, uh, per the huge when it comes to the Bears and the uh, – and the Vikings, and you know, we like to talk a lot about the the weird tradition or the weird history of this rivalry with the Bears almost always winning in Chicago, the Vikings almost always winning in Minnesota, and how the the Bears games always seem to be weird in Chicago, or the or it's like the games in Chicago tend to be weird. You can throw out the record books. I mean, you know, just two examples off the top of my head. You hear me talk about them. Uh, in the interview, uh, 2016, the Bears are like one and five, one and six. The Vikings are five and one. They're you know they they're one of the best teams in the league. And you know this is the year the Bears went three and thirteen, and it just just didn't seem like we had a shot in hell in winning this game. And we kicked the crap out of Minnesota in that game. Oddly enough, uh, and then you know go back a little bit further, 2009. The Vikings are, are trying to clinch home field advantage in the playoffs for a late Week 16 Monday night matchup in Chicago. And, uh, you know, three and a half hours later, it's the Jake Cutler to Devin Aroma should do game-winning walk-off touchdown in overtime. No home field for the Vikings. They have to go to New Orleans for the NFC Championship game, and we all know how that worked out. So, you know, just throw out the record books can never forget the adrian peterson game in 2007 and you know you hear chris talk about it it was actually you know to be fair it was the adrian peterson versus um devin uh hester game hester ran back a kick he caught an 80 yard touchdown pass to tie the game late in the game from from grind greasy and 
uh, you know, Adrian Peterson ran for like 230 against the Bears uh, in that game and like three touchdowns, almost ran a kickoff back that would have won the game but got him in field goal range so they could kick a 55-yarder to win that crazy-ass game uh, and everything. This is how the rivalry plays out. And um, going into this season uh, or going into this game with this season, the upside-down world that we're living in because of COVID and, and all that kind of stuff, no fans in the stands, so there won't be a factor of the crowd uh, in it uh, either. Um, the way that these two teams are playing right now, the Vikings seem to definitely trending up. The Bears have been on a huge downslope uh, right now. The Bears are desperate for a win at this point, desperate because we've lost three in a row, desperate because we're heading in to a bye. We can't go into a bye on a four-game uh, losing streak, but everything that we've done uh, in the last month says we probably will. So uh, it's just uh, it's ugly at this point, uh, and, and neither of us really knows how to feel about this game. You know, you'll hear it at the end of the interview. Neither of us will be surprised if we win. Neither of us will be surprised if we lose just because that's this rivalry and that's how weird it can be. So I'll stop telling you what's going to happen in the interview and let you go ahead and listen to it. So let's get started. It's the Week 10 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground with myself and Chris Gates previewing Bears and Vikings for Monday Night Football. The last hurdle between our beloved Chicago Bears and a much-needed bye is a Monday night matchup against our division rival Minnesota Vikings. And as always, to help us preview the matchup between the Bears and the Vikings, our very own Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman. Chris, happy Veterans Day, sir. Thank you very much, Larry. I appreciate it. Uh, Everything's going well. How are things going for you? Oh, we'll get into that, Chris. Um, You know, it's... uh, (laughs) It's been an adventure, uh, to put it lightly, and uh, you know we'll 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 navigate our way through the noise uh, and see where we end up uh, at the end of this conversation. See, ironically, is the last three games, which was this was an ominous stretch for the Bears, the Rams, the Saints, and the Titans. They went into it five and one, and I was like, you know, those are three tough games. Those are three tough teams, all looking to make the playoffs and. Uh, and everything and you know the Bears had find you know kept finding ways to win games probably improbably defense uh, you know they found a way to win their first five out of six games no matter what the experts were saying and then the last three weeks we have done nothing but prove the experts right when they were saying the Bears were the worst blank and one team for the last several weeks before this collapse began. Yeah, it's been uh, been kind of the opposite over on this end for about right. the f- six weeks. We've just uh, we kept finding way to lose football games, regardless right. of you know who we were playing. Uh, lost to uh, two teams that were and still are at the top of their divisions and top of their conferences by a combined uh, two points. Uh, got absolutely annihilated at home by a team that uh, came into that game zero and five and had just fired their coach and. Yeah, now now things are looking up a little bit after a couple of uh, NFC North games, uh, knocking off the Packers for the first time in a couple of years and beating Detroit this past week. And now we get to go to everybody's favorite place on the <laughs> NFL map if you're a Vikings fan. Right. And that's a beautiful Soldier Field in uh, Chicago. So yeah. we are going to – yeah, 
like we've always said, weird stuff happens at Soldier Field, so it really yeah. doesn't matter what it, what's happened the past nine weeks or past eight weeks, rather. However many it's twenty twenty. I can't do. Yeah, math. Who, who can keep track at this point? Uh, yeah. But you know, it, it's a conversation or a theme that dominates these conversations between uh, you and I, especially during the regular season, and especially when we play in Chicago, because it's it seems like the games that take place in Chicago have always kind of been more noteworthy than the ones that have taken place uh, in the Metrodome. It's like only a couple really stick. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline out in my head for you know bears vikings in minnesota would be the the playoff win in in 94 when when the bears uh you know uh won um and actually earlier in that season would be the monday night game between those two teams where the vikings won uh in overtime with with moon throwing i think to jake reed uh for a touchdown and and things like that i think to like 06 when the bears won in in minnesota for like the first time in like 10 years or however long it had been uh, up to up to that point and you know it things like that it's the, the the games in Chicago tend to be the ones that always kind of stick out I, I painfully brought up the Devin Aroma should do game uh last year uh when you guys came to Chicago and then you know it, it's the and before we started recording I was talking about I think it was like Thanksgiving night or that week or whatever in 2016 the Bears are one in five uh, they're welcoming like the five and one Vikings who are the number one defense in the NFL. We had like three reserve linemen on the field and somehow Jordan Howard runs for like a buck 70 and three touchdowns. And we end up like, and it was, it really was like you watched that game and you wouldn't have been able to tell like a person, a non football fan. He's like, which one of these teams was five and one, which one was one and five. They would have got the answer wrong because the bears, the dominant team were the one and five team and the Vikings five and one were the ones taking the beating but that's that's the weirdness of chicago and minnesota in chicago yeah i mean you're right for some reason that the games in chicago always seem to have weird things that happen i mean you know you mentioned some of the ones from the metrodome uh there was also the game i want to say it was 92 where mike Ditka almost murdered jim harbaugh on the sideline <laughs> uh, after he called a terrible audible and wound up having a pick six comeback oh yes and, absolutely um, yeah I remember yeah, that the one. one I think I think it was 2008 that had the uh, 99 yard touchdown pass ah, to Bernard uh, Berry and a former Bear. That was all, that was that felt really nice. That that was yeah that was weird. But yeah. yeah yeah weird stuff happens in Chicago like all the time. So you know and you know this is the weirdest year. So who knows what's going to happen on right. Monday? I mean yeah 
we, we don't know. I mean, Nick Nick Foles has you know hosed this team at least once, so you, <laughs> you never know. He could uh, he could figure it out again all of a sudden because if there's one time he's going to figure it out, it's going to be against Minnesota because that's just the way that things go generally. Yeah. Is that the is that the general attitude with Vikings fans like going into in Chicago like no matter how good or bad a team like the like the Devin Aroma Shudu game that was like week sixteen in two thousand and nine that was the last hurrah for Favre as far as one of his last great season you guys went in Chicago against like a four and ten team or whatever we were at the time you lock up home field advantage for the 09 playoffs and instead. It's the Jay Cutler, Devin Aroma Shadu show. We take that thing to overtime. We win it. Instead, the Saints get the you know the home field advantage, and then that whole uh, NFC Championship game debacle takes place in New Orleans with Favre and throwing across his body across the field yep. instead of kicking the long field goal and and things like that. I mean, just a weird. I mean, talk about something that you know you wouldn't have counted that the Bears on ruining for you. Would you know who knew that like four weeks later how much that game would affect uh, the Vikings and how much that win would 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 affect the the season in general? And honestly, I think I speak for a lot of Vikings fans when I say that every year when the schedule comes out, we find where the game at Chicago is and we just <laughs> automatically mark that down as a loss because <laughs> we're we're to the point. I mean, we we won in Chicago in 2017. We won there yep. in 2015. And I think before that, the the last time we had won before that was like 07 in the game where yeah, I think the Adrian Devin Peterson Hester, game. Adrian yeah. Peterson took turns doing just crazy crap for four quarters. Right. And yeah. But yeah, it, our record in Chicago in the last 20 games is awful. And yeah, yeah I, I think pretty much all Vikings fans just assume we're going to go into Soldier Field and lose every year, no matter what. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like we said before we started talking, uh, our teams are kind of going two different directions they right are. now. Yeah. We'll see if that, uh, that actually means anything. Well, time. I mean, we, we talked over the summer, and, and um, you know, I, I brought up the point to you that, I, that, that all summer long, you know, in, during this offseason, I had been fighting the feeling that the Vikings were going to be bad. You, you had to replace a lot of starters on defense. You didn't have the salary cap space to go out and make a lot of significant moves to make up for the guys or maybe it was even your salary cap situation that caused you to lose uh, a lot of those guys you had a boatload of draft picks so you had to have all these kids replacing these these household names these veterans and things like that and you kind of talked me off the ledge as we were, you know we went through the conversation and then lo and behold the season starts and you know whether it was the, the lack of a pure off season which i would definitely say was a key uh, element to the beginning of the season you know, COVID and all its restrictions, no preseason and all that kind of stuff. Everyone was kind of forced to hit the ground running. And before you know it, the Vikings start 0-3. They slug it out for their first win week four against Houston. And then two more losses later. And as you mentioned, you go on the road, or was it or was it in Minnesota? You lost to an 0-5 Atlanta team that had just lost or just fired uh, their head coach. And you, go, you go into the bye on a 1-5 start and i'm like man i didn't think i was that right about the vikings not being good this year well i mean you know we we talked over the summer and then yeah that was before uh michael pierce opted out because of covid he was expected to be a big addition uh and then daniel hunter suffering the single worst neck tweak in medical history 
when Mike Zimmer says, yeah, it's just a tweak, he'll be fine, and then a few weeks later he's on injured reserve and having surgery on his neck and he's not coming back. Um, so, yeah, that didn't help. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you talked about all the guys we had to replace. It was a lot that had to do with the salary cap, why we kind of dumped those guys, the guys like Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin, uh, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, all those folks. And, yeah, they – they were trying to retool the defense on the fly. And, you know, when you have a lot of youngsters on defense, particularly at a position as important as cornerback, uh, things are going to get a little rough if they don't have enough repetitions. And, you know, because of the restrictions, there are no preseason games. Uh, they didn't really get a lot of contact in practice and whatnot. And, yeah, the, the defense is starting to come around a little bit, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did not expect, uh, you know, all the things that happened between the last time we talked and the start of the season to yeah. happen, and they've all had a uh, a pretty negative effect on the uh, Minnesota defense, at least here in the early going. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, you had losses against division leaders by a combined two points. Of course, you're talking about the losing to Tennessee 31-30, to and then two weeks later uh, that, that crazy game against Seattle 27 to uh, 26. I mean, the ball bounces differently. We're talking about two five and four teams, or what, a five and three team actually. Yep. You know, like you would be ahead of the Bears in the standings right now if if you guys like held on to that lead against Tennessee. And um, did Seattle come back on you guys too? They or did. did you, very uh, oh, very right. last play of the game, a fourth and fourth and goal, and Russell. That's Wilson right. That's right. Half. Right. Yeah. That the big the big argument of that game. Yeah, the Vikings were up. Five points with, yeah, five points at the two-minute warning, and they had yeah. a fourth and like six inches deep in Seattle territory. And Mike Zimmer decided to go for it rather than kicking the field goal and making an eight-point lead. Mm-hmm. I thought going for it was the right call because if you can manage to gain six inches, uh, you win the game, and the Seahawks <coughs> don't get the ball back. Right. So I, I thought it was the right call. I had no issue with Zimmer going for it in that situation, but you know, hindsight is twenty-twenty, and. Right. If he kicks the field goal and we go ahead by eight points, maybe they don't win. But, yeah, I, I think he made the right call. But, yeah, we get a couple of different bounces and things look a lot different this season. And that's just the way the NFL works. Yeah, I mean, everyone uh, made made a point about that in uh, 2018 for the Bears and how many games that they won, you know, 12-4 and four and the defense being dominant. But they won a lot of one-score games. Uh, in 2018 so that Stephen could have looked very very different if we didn't get this call or that call and you know so on and so forth and and that can be said about a lot of teams I mean (laughs) I can go through last year as bad as 2019 was we get a play here a play there and we're like an 11 and 5 team instead of a disastrous eight I mean we would have been a a one and done 11 and 5 team in the playoffs for sure but we definitely had opportunities to come away with more wins uh, than we got last year, as bad as as the Bears played, or inconsistently as they played this uh, last year. This year, it's just bad. It's just bad, and <laughs> you know the conversation. It's it's become like a chicken in the egg conversation for for Chicago and for their fans and the talking heads and uh, and everything. Is it the play calling because Nagy's trying to scheme his way out of trouble, or is it the execution of said scheme? Uh, and it's just been a conversation that goes around in circles, much like the chicken and the egg and 
uh, and, and things like that. It's, you know, which one comes first or which one do we blame over the other one? And, you know, trust me, it, it's been a maddening thing. Even when we were winning, this conversation was being was being had um, because we were just getting by the skin of our teeth. Us being five and one, we should have lost to Detroit week one. You know, uh, DeAndre Swift drops the game winning touchdown in the end zone. Uh, we we got lucky with the the Giants. We had to hold them back. We went out to an early lead, had to hold them back. Uh, week three against Atlanta, a back to back collapses. That huge collapse against Dallas the week before. They do it again to the Bears and make Nick Foles look like a hero. Uh, and then the everyone blames the penalties on the Bears being able to beat Tampa Bay on Thursday night. Not so much them actually coming back and winning the football game. So it's like you put that all together. If you're the Jason Lock and Foras of the world the bears at five and four should be more like two and seven uh right now with the with the way the game should have gone instead of the way that they did so you know you can talk all the time about what could have happened what did happen and and whatnot but you know you guys are definitely trending up very impressive win in lambo uh two weeks ago and then backing that up by uh smashing detroit pretty good at home dalvin cook a one-man wrecking crew uh in both of those Uh, games and the funny thing is we just played the second best rusher in the NFL and completely shut him down so I don't know how to feel about this game uh, going into it because we just made Derrick Henry a non-factor and I swear to God I'll wrap it up so you can talk here in a second but um, we just got done you know shutting down Derrick Henry when I thought for sure he was going to run for 350 and five touchdowns uh, on us so I'm like okay maybe we can slow down uh, Dalvin Cook. It is Monday Night Football, so n- national TV games never been kind to the Bears. It is Minnesota, though, so we have history on our side. the The Bears are playing as bad football as I've ever seen them play, and Minnesota are playing like the team we thought they might be coming into the season. They're peaking at the right time. Or for if you're a Bears fan, we're meeting you guys at the absolute worst time. Yeah, I mean, this is. You know, like I said, it's one of those things that, you know, the the way the schedule is set up and with what's happened with you guys over the past few weeks, what's happened with us over the past few weeks, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting if all the old, uh, all the old kind of trends kind of manifest themselves in this one. <clears throat> because like we've said, weird stuff happens in Chicago and it's 2020 that's just the, the weirdest possible everything, pretty yeah, much. pretty much. <laughs> yeah, we... We finally decided that the offense probably should run through Dalvin Cook since we've given him like $12 million a year for you know the next few years and that mm-hmm. uh, contract extension he got before the season. Uh, I questioned it because I have generally been of the impression that if there is any position that's kind of expendable uh, in today's NFL, it's the running back position. But yeah. with, with the way Dalvin Cook has performed – if the Vikings were five and three, rather than three and five, he'd probably be part of the MVP conversation right now. Sure, but sure. he's not. But uh, but yeah, he, he has just lit it up the last couple weeks. Uh, he's not ever been really good against Chicago. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I know uh, in the two games in Chicago, he hasn't uh, done very much. He didn't play Chicago in 2017 because he was hurt. But right. The two games in Chicago in 2018 and 2019, I know he didn't do uh, very much at all, and that has put everything on Kirk Cousins. Uh, He who, uh, if you haven't already heard this several hundred times, 
is 0-9 in his career on Monday Night Football. Oh, thank you uh, for reminding me. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, if I hadn't said it, I'm sure you would have heard it, you know, 19 <laughs> or 20 more times between now and Monday night. Sure, sure. Yeah, 0-9 on Monday night for Kirk Cousins. Uh, if you go back and look at the stats, and I think somebody dug it up uh, before one of the Monday night games last year, it's not that he's performed badly on Monday nights necessarily. It's just that, you know, it's been a full team effort for, for most of those losses. But, mm-hmm. you know, Cousins will take the heat, and that's fine. But, uh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to see how this one goes. If uh, if Dalvin Cook can keep his uh, hot streak going and kind of buck the trend of not playing well against Chicago, and yeah, if if he can do that, the uh, the Bears' offense has been a little rough over the last few weeks. From Just a little, yeah. Everything I've seen, but I haven't watched as much of the Bears as I've probably wanted to, or I probably should. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's going to be interesting because if there's one opportunity for the Bears to get right, it's going to be in Chicago against Minnesota on Monday night, all of which are generally uh, kind of kryptonite for the Vikings uh, yeah. during the Zimmer era. So, well, yeah, I mean, see how that all shakes itself out. The thing that, that worries me the most about this game really, really doesn't have much of anything to do with um, every anything that we're talking about right now with the – you know, Dalvin Cook not playing well in Chicago, uh, Kirk Cousins uh, winless on Monday nights, the Bears historically win in Chicago in the Minnesota thing. Uh, you know, none of that means much of anything overall. What what worries me is how desperate we are as a team right now. We're heading into our bye week finally. We finally get our bye week next week for week 11, and we need a win badly. You know, we 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 desperately need a win um, because a we have played three of the worst games that we've played all year, back to back to back, uh, with <laughs> with with varyingly disastrous results. Um, you know, we we found different ways to lose each of those games. Like we just didn't show up at all against the Rams. All three phases of the game were terrible uh, in that one. Then uh, against New Orleans, it was a tale of missed opportunities. We should have picked off uh, Breeze twice in the in the overtime period. Uh, Alvin Kamara fumbled a football that he recovered himself. Three turnover opportunities in the overtime period alone, the Bears let slip through their fingers that would have changed the the way that game uh, turns out. You know, and then last week against Tennessee. It was a virtual no-show by the offense. They never got off the bus. The defense put a victory-worthy performance together, but it didn't matter uh, because our offense was, you know, historically bad. And I'm talking like uh, Jonathan Quinn starting on Thanksgiving in 2004 bad. I don't know if you ever partook in that football <laughs> game, but it was an absolute – like I had to walk out on it. I couldn't watch it. I was, you know, it's like this is Thanksgiving. I'm going to throw up all over my – all over the television watching this game. That's how bad it was on Sunday against the Titans. And, um, you know, to the point where, you know, I, I had an appointment or uh, I had a date to see my mom because uh, I, I was in Chicago over for the holiday or on a holiday. I, was, I had some days off from work and I was coming back home, going to have dinner with mom on the way out of town. She got done with her church service early and I took that as an excuse to not watch the fourth quarter. <laughs> on Sunday. It's like, that's it. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. You know, it was like a few moments before the end of the quarter. 
We um, David Montgomery fumbles. Desmond King runs it back for a touchdown. It's seventeen to nothing. It might as well have been seven hundred to nothing at that point. So, yeah, it, it it worries me how desperate we are, how badly we need a win going into the bye. I mean, we just need a win in general. We've we've lost three in a row, but we we desperately need one going into this bye on a positive note. We can't let all this negativity follow us into the bye week, and and I'm worried that how badly we need it is is going to be what deters us from actually pulling it off and you know we're we're kind of in the same boat i mean like we said we we started off with the one and five start and then we hit our bye week a little early in week 17 and came back for came out came back out of the bye with a couple of wins in a row to get us up to three and five and if we can somehow get into soldier field and sneak away with a victory to get us up to four and five uh the vikings have a three-game homestand coming up against dallas which is winnable, yeah. uh, Carolina, which is winnable, and yeah. Jacksonville, which is winnable. Mm-hmm. And so that would take us from 1-5 and five and talking about tanking for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or whatever the case may be to 7-5. and five. And, you know, the last four games are going to be a little tricky for us. But, yeah, it, it would be quite the turnaround, particularly with, you know, as rough as the defense looked early in the season, getting just blown out uh, most weeks. Uh, not being able to stop anybody, but yeah, the the Vikings need to keep their momentum going with a victory in this one, and if they can do that, uh, this it could start a uh, what a few weeks ago would have been thought to have been a pretty unlikely push towards uh, potential playoff football. Yeah, I mean, especially with that extra spot, and there also might be another spot available. God forbid, with us, you know, entering full bore into the cold and flu season, you're seeing a lot more teams you know, um, not quite as widespread as maybe like the breakout the Tennessee had earlier this year, but it seems like you're hearing about more teams, one person here, one person there, getting hit with the COVID bug. And, you know, uh, going into that, maybe if, if they end up having to cancel any games, then they're going to add another playoff team, which means there'll be eight teams. Half the conference is going to the playoffs uh, this year. Stacking wins at this time of year will be more important than than ever before, uh, actually. So especially if you look at divisions like, you know, the NFC West, where everybody is actually pretty good. I mean, the Niners look like they might be starting to tail off a little bit with their injury issues. But, you know, that division's solid. Uh, Despite what we saw Monday night, the NFC South looks like it has a couple of solid teams. Nobody else is coming out of the NFC East. They're getting one playoff team. Yeah, <laughs> every team in that division is awful. But, yeah, uh, you know, there, if there's a, if there's extra playoff spots to be had, like you said, it's time to uh, stack wins and see what we can see what we can do here. Yeah, I mean, and this is a big game for you guys because I was saying this a week ago for the Bears going into the Tennessee game at five and three, winning the game were six and three is a completely different conversation than losing the game and being five and four. You know, there's a huge difference between being three games above five hundred and then one game from being a five hundred team. You know, it's it's a completely different conversation. And the reverse is true for you guys. You're three and five coming into this thing. Four and five is a much different conversation than three and six. And, you know, it's it's a, there's a lot more optimism. You you've got three wins heading into a light part of the schedule or one would believe uh, going into it, like you and I have said a thousand times already. It is 2020, so who knows? But, you know, Jacksonville won week one and haven't won a game since. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, Carolina is scrappy, but they just lost Christian McCaffrey for the second time. You know, <laughs> after they gave Car- you know the Chiefs all they could handle uh, this past Sunday, and then Dallas. They gave Pittsburgh hell, that's for sure, this past Sunday, but they ended up coming up short because the Steelers are the Steelers this year. And, you know, so who knows how any of those games could turn out. But you get past the Bears and you're looking at an opportunity, like you said, to be 7-5 and five with only four games to go. And looking at those last four games, at Tampa Bay, that could be tough. Home for the Bears. Aside from the last two seasons, which are inexplicable, in my opinion, uh minnesota wins in minnesota so we'll go with that at new orleans not as scary a place as it would be traditionally since there are no fans so you never know there and you guys won the last time you were in new orleans in the playoffs last year so that place shouldn't scare you too much and then you have detroit to to close out the year i mean things bounce your way man you could be looking at nine and seven ten and six which should be more than enough to get you that seventh and or eighth playoff spot but yeah like you were saying, the last four games are going to be a little tricky. You know, like I said, even though we saw them get absolutely crushed on uh, Monday night, that Tampa Bay offense is still pretty scary, uh, particularly uh, when it's going to be down in Tampa. And, yeah, the, the the Superdome isn't quite as scary a place as it used to be because, you know, like you said, we went in there last season in that playoff game and managed to uh, get out with a victory. So, yeah, if... If the Vikings can get this win on Monday night and you know put themselves together for a bit of a run here, I mean I know the Packers look good so far, but you know they might have some hiccups between now and the end of the season. And at the very least, this team can put themselves in a position to uh, to get into a wild card position in the right. NFC. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll just have to see how the chips fall. I think. So let's talk real quick uh, about the what 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 happened uh, this season. You know, do you think it was was the growing pains? Did you guys get some guys healthy? Did you get somebody back healthy after the bye for for you guys to kind of look at like a night and day team compared to the the last two weeks compared to the first six? Well, I mean, Dalvin Cook did get hurt in the Seattle game and wound up missing the Atlanta game. So, I mean, there was one injury, but, you know, that that was only a game and a half. I do think a lot of it was the growing pains. You know, we had uh, Yannick Ngakwe, who we had traded for. He didn't do much in the opener, but he had played really well over the uh, the five games before he got traded uh, to Baltimore again. Uh, So working him into the defense uh, probably presented some issues. And, yeah, you just can't lose as many guys on defense as the Vikings did. And I don't care how much of a defensive guru Mike Zimmer is. Trying to retool that defense on the fly, particularly when you haven't had a traditional preseason with preseason reps and games against other teams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't a recipe for success, but you know we're eight games into the season. You know A lot of these uh, young players use those first three or four games to kind of, I think, adjust to the speed of the NFL game. Right. And, yeah, things have been significantly better over the past few weeks than they were uh, in the early going. Some of the young guys look like they're really starting to get it. And, yeah, if they can develop down the stretch here, it's going to set the Vikings up for success, not just for the rest of this year, but uh, going forward as well. Right. And 
you know, because I was because I was the, that's what, one of the main things I was wondering, especially with how 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 good uh, the offense has played in the last couple of uh, weeks. You never you haven't necessarily had any problems scoring points. Um, you know, thirty four against Green Bay. I think a lot of that was that was a lot of garbage time, wasn't it? Because wasn't Green Bay up huge in that game? Yeah. They were. I mean, they were up, uh, I believe it was 21 to 10 at halftime, and then the Vikings mm-hmm. just couldn't get caught back up again. And right. Yeah, they, they got some garbage time points at the end. Yeah, that, that game wasn't as close as the final score indicated. Right. 30 points against Tennessee, 31 in the win over Houston, 26 over, you know, in the loss to Seattle, 23 even in that loss to Atlanta, then 28 two weeks ago against Green Bay, 34. Uh, against Detroit, so scoring points hasn't necessarily been a problem. The defense is giving up a healthy amount of points, though. Um, 43, 28, 31, 23, 27, 40, and then in the two wins, you're keeping it under. Uh, so, actually, it looks like your your magic number is 23. You keep it below 23, you come away with a win. Yes. Yeah, uh, everything else looks uh, – everything above 23 has resulted in a – a loss for you guys this year and yeah i think that's how it's been for most of the uh, zimmer era if the uh, if the vikings keep a team below it's like 21 points or something like that they're almost invincible but once teams get above 21 it's a little trickier uh but yeah with all the young guys on defense and i guess we lost anthony Barr after two and a half games as well which probably doesn't help things but right yeah the younger guys are kind of starting to get their feet underneath them I mean, Lord knows we drafted enough of them and had some younger guys on the the depth chart last year that are starting to get a little more playing time now. Uh, yeah, the uh, the defensive coaches are getting things uh, put together, and hopefully they'll just continue developing these guys going forward. The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head on over to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The show is also brought to you by Manscaped. Listen up, fellas, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, snags, and tugs on those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. I said all that in one breath. How about that? Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience, and it is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. Have you ever pulled your nose hair out with your fingers? It might hurt worse than nicking your balls. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to, delivering a maximum confidence experience 
uh, while providing hygiene. Yes, you will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff, and it's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped, for keeping our pubes trimmed and our hairs in our holes looking nice. Once again, 20% off and free shipping with with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Use the code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. And let's get back to the show. And I think the inverse is true for the Bears. Like we, All of our experience, most of the talent that we have on our roster is on the defensive side. And I think that's why the Bears have a chance in just about any game that they're in is that you know the Bears defense is going to keep us in uh, every game. And, and, and that, you know, that can be a great stabilizer or an equalizer, if you will, um, you know, especially in a season like this one. Um, you know, and it was apparent that, you know, it, and that's what a lot of people have been saying. What I've been hearing is that, you know, it looks like the, the you know, the young kids and everybody that kind of got thrown into the fire at the beginning of the season, no preseason, as little offseason as possible uh, going into this thing, that they're finally getting into their uh, rhythm and, you know, they're finally catching up with the speed of the game and, and, you know, learning how to play NFL football and the results are reflected in wins finally. Uh, for you guys, whereas the, you know the Bears, that's where all the veteran leadership and talent is on our side, uh, you know, and we've been able to keep our offense or help our offense win ball games early on, and, and now it's kind of getting caught up that the defense can only cover up so much of how badly the offense has been playing, and it's catching up with us in a really disastrous way at this point. Yeah, I mean the offense has had its issues. Uh, particularly early in the season with Kirk Cousins turning the ball over as frequently as he did. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, once uh, once the defense kind of got going and, you know, got a few stops here and there and got the offense back in decent field position and stuff like that, uh, the team's been a lot more balanced. They're not leaning too heavily on one side or the other. And so, you know, the key for the Vikings is – as good as Dalvin Cook's band, it is still kind of Kirk Cousins and how he does things as far as not turning the football over. I mean, he's had games where he's turned the ball over multiple times and it's just been a disaster. And these last couple games, there have been no Vikings turnovers that I can remember off the top of my head, and we've gotten two victories. So that's uh, kind of the key for, uh, well, I mean, it's a good key for any team really, but, you know, mm. particularly for a team that, you know, kind of, has to balance that the way the Vikings do. And, uh, how different has the conversation, like how has the conversation changed for the Vikings in general? Because I'm sure that it, that I know that I heard rumblings about Spielman and, you know, uh, Zimmer are out after this year. Spielman, you know, extended Kirk Cousins. He's been disastrous. And, you know, Zimmer's defense, you know, he's not the defensive genius that everyone thought he was. Look at how the defense is playing, blah, blah, blah. And then after back-to-back impressive wins, you know, the first one, the most impressive of the, you know, the two being at home, on the road at Lambeau, where you shut down, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers, who's been practically unstoppable uh, this year for the most part. And then, you know, backing that up by, by beating up on, on Detroit last week. Has the conversation changed? Are there still people out there who want Spielman and, and Zimmer gone? 
after this year? Because you're still three and five at this point. I mean, I think there's always going to be people that want the uh, the head coach and the, the general manager gone. But, you know, I know Zimmer may have, you know, worn out his welcome with some of the fans, but the fact remains that he's still a pretty good coach. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at teams like Detroit, I mean, Jim Caldwell went nine and seven, like two seasons in a row, and they fired, fired him because yeah. they wanted to bring in Matt Patricia. And Matt Patricia's been awful. Yeah. I mean, so. Truly you know, awful. There's. Yeah. Yeah, there's the there's the kind of balance between, you know, over on one side of the ledger, you know, you're going to be safe. You have a definitive floor. You kind of have a definitive ceiling. And that's kind of what Mike Zimmer, you know, even with all the transitions and all the changes, you probably still imagine or you probably still bet on the Vikings being a solid competitive team. Whereas on the other side, people want to look at like the bright, shiny object and say, okay, if we make the leap to this person over here, there's a chance that we could be really good, but there's a chance that we could also be absolutely terrible. And, right. you know, we just talked about that with Detroit. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm sure there are still people that probably want Zimmer and Spielman gone. But, you know, I think the wackiness of this season and all the turnover and all the youth on this roster and, you know, Zimmer and Spielman already have like 12 picks lined up for next year's draft too. So yeah, they're, they're going to have the ability to continue to build this team. And, you know, I, I don't think you let Zimmer and Spielman, or just Spielman or whoever it was trade someone like Yannick and Gakwe for picks. If you're not going to let them use those picks down the track. Sure. So I don't I don't think Zimmer and Spielman are in any danger anymore. They they might have been if they hadn't uh, gotten the victories in Green Bay and against Detroit, but I, I think they're pretty safely out of the woods for this season. So real quick, what happened with Ngakwe? Because you guys gave up a couple of picks to get him, and then literally like weeks later you trade him away, and you got most of what you sent what you gave up to get him back. But I've never seen that before where a football player is traded twice in the same season. I mean, you see it happen all the time in basketball. You can see it happen in baseball, maybe even hockey, but never in football. There's too much preparation and there's too much to learn between games and things like that. That's why they only play one a week. But, you know, I've never seen a player get traded twice in the same season, especially during the regular season. No, I've, I've never seen that before either, and I'm not yeah. sure exactly what the genesis behind that was. I mean, I know they just come off the, the blowout against Atlanta, and it was during the bye week and whatnot, and you know, maybe they had a conversation and decided, you know, we're not going to be able to re-sign this guy because he, he had been franchise tagged by the Jaguars, and he took a pay cut to come to Minnesota via the trade, and they prob- they might have miscalculated and said to themselves, you know, we're not going to be able to re-sign this guy. He's going to end up just walking away. So why don't we, you know, just cut our losses and take what we can get for him now? Because mm-hmm. they probably would have gotten a compensatory pick in 2022 uh, if he would have just, you know, played out his contract and not re-signed and left. Now they get that pick uh, this coming draft instead when they can try to use it to uh, try to build what they're building towards. But yeah, I I don't understand exactly why. Ngakwe was traded. I mean, like I said, unless they just came to the conclusion that he, they were basically renting him for a year and they thought they might have been able to re-sign him when they made the trade, but 
you know, things changed over the course of the first six weeks and it turned out that wasn't going to be the case. And they never did get the opportunity to pair him with Daniil Hunter either. So right. I think that might have been part of it, you know, getting the getting those edge guys on both sides. And, yeah, it just wound up not materializing because of Hunter's injury. And, yeah, they may have just decided to cut their losses and get what they could get. Sure, sure. Didn't they give up like a second and got a third back or something like that? Yeah, it, it was a second and a fifth, and I think they got back a third and a fifth. So, yeah, yeah they essentially traded down about – 40 spots because mm. Baltimore's third round pick is going to be really late in the third round because Baltimore's yeah. good. So right. yeah, that they, they essentially traded down about 50 spots for uh, six games. And I think Ngakwe managed to rack up uh, five sacks during those six games because really? he didn't in the opener, but yeah, he, he was solid after the first, after the first uh, game against green Bay when he was still kind of getting acclimated and do didn't do much, but yeah, he, he was decent for those uh, okay. last five games before the Vikings shipped him off. Yeah, I didn't know that part, actually. I, th- I thought it must have been just a bad marriage. You know, we, we brought him in, We you know, and like you said, we we're going to pair him up with Daniil Hunter, but that didn't uh, work out. Um, you know, we're in the midst of a one-in-five season uh, right now. He probably isn't going to come back. He's not being productive, but he was being productive. And, uh, you know, that part I wasn't expecting. I was thinking, like, you know, he hasn't done anything yet we're probably not going to be able to re-sign him and and everything so let's just see if we can ship him out or you know fool somebody into taking him from us or whatnot but uh to hear that he had five sacks in those six games was surprising for me yeah no he, he he was just about the only guy getting any pressure on the quarterback i mean he wasn't getting a lot of pressures but he did get those few uh sacks in between and yeah i i was surprised to see him get traded but you know Kind of looking back at the deal in hindsight, I think it makes a little more sense than it did uh, immediately after it happened. Sure, sure. So on the offensive side, uh, you know that's the Bears are you know their strength is on defense and and you know Chris, if, if you go back and just look at the stats for the Titans game, you would think there's no way in hell the Bears lost this game. <laughs> you you know Mick Foles threw for 335 yards, the quietest 300 game 300 yard game I've, I've ever seen. Um, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, I mean, our running game has been a you know disastrous all year, so no big surprise that Montgomery ran for 30 yards on 14 carries. That's what we've been doing all season. <laughs> but you know, uh, we you know we had some guys make some catches, and you know the the Titans had 11 first downs in this game. We won time of possession by eight minutes. Uh, you know, we sacked Tannehill three times. He completed 10 passes for 158 yards, and the Titans won the game. Oh, and by the way, Derrick Henry, the best running back in football, or statistically the best running back in football anyway, uh, 68 yards on like 22 carries or something. like. And one of those was a 26-yard run. So essentially, the Bears held Derrick Henry to 50 yards on 20 carries. And we lost the game. And we got our asses kicked on top of it. So, I mean, just look at just, you know, if I handed you the paper and told you to tell me who won this game, there's no way you'd tell me the Titans did. You know, just looking at it statistically. But go back and watch the game. The numbers don't line up, like, at all. You know, just they just don't add up. And you, But you factor in those turnovers, one of which went for six back the other way uh, for the Titans. And it, it does start to clear up its mind but you know statistically there's no way the bears should have lost the game it doesn't make sense that we did and instead we got killed 
uh, on Sunday. So, I mean, who on on offense besides um, Dalvin Cook? I can't believe I forgot his name. Dalvin <laughs> Cook. Who who should we be looking for besides Dalvin Cook on Sunday? Well, Monday uh, actually Monday. Sorry. Yeah, if the if the passing game gets going, I mean, everyone knows about Adam Thielen, and it's getting to the point where everyone knows about Justin Jefferson too, because yeah, yeah he's. I was looking at some of the uh, the numbers that people were putting out on Twitter and whatnot, and uh, apparently Pro Football Focus put out their midseason uh, All Pro team. Uh, Justin Jefferson is the second highest rated wide receiver by Pro Football Focus so far this year. Not. Not the second highest rated rookie wide receiver, the second highest rated wide receiver in the league. I mean, he's wow. above Adam Thielen even as far as PFF goes. So he, he's definitely somebody you need to keep an eye on. Uh, Irv Smith Jr. is finally establishing himself as tight end one in this offense. I think he's officially taken over for Kyle Rudolph, uh, who has not been terribly productive this season. But uh, Irv had two touchdown catches last week against Detroit. So it looks like he might finally be starting to uh, become the sort of uh, mismatch option that uh, the Vikings were hoping for when they drafted him. And the offensive line is really actually starting to come around a little bit, surprisingly. And a lot of that might have to do with another rookie, uh, Ezra Cleveland, who the Vikings have plugged in at right guard after uh, a couple of disasters from Pat Elfline and Drew Samia over the early portion of the season. Uh, the Vikings, everyone just assumed that they were drafting Ezra Cleveland to take over a left tackle for Riley Reef, who may or may not be back next season. But he's been absolutely outstanding at right guard for the most part, uh, especially since the uh, the bye. And yeah, his uh, his becoming the starter at right guard has really helped the offense quite a bit. Uh, Garrett Bradbury's taken a big step forward this year, and you know we've talked the last couple of years. One of the weak spots of the Vikings has been the offensive line, and yeah. now it appears as though they finally started to shore that up a little bit. And wouldn't you know, once the offensive line improves a little bit, the rest of the offense kind of kind of trends upward as well. So yeah, that's yes. uh, that's that's definitely something to look forward or to look at for uh, for the Vikings over these past couple of weeks. Yeah, it's it's a wild theory that uh, if you you put together an offensive line worthy of the NFL, that uh, you might actually have some success on the offensive side of the ball. But wait a second, Chris, you're actually telling me that the Vikings actually replaced the guy that wasn't playing well. I mean, aren't you supposed to stick with that guy, even though he's killing your football team week in and week out, like the Bears have with Rashad Coward? Just keep putting him back out there; he'll figure it out eventually, right? Well, so. see, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Vikings would probably in this would probably be trending the same direction at right guard if it wasn't for injury, because mm. Elfline got hurt a couple weeks into the season, and he got replaced by Samia, who was terrible. And then Samia got hurt too, and they at that point they finally said, "All right, we're going to throw the rookie in there and let him play right guard instead." And you know when you know what he's been pretty good, so. If it hadn't been for injury, uh, the Vikings would probably still be running Elfline out there, and Ezra Cleveland would still be watching from the sidelines, and we'd all be complaining about how awful Pat Elfline has been because he had a pretty solid rookie season at center, and then he got hurt in that NFC Championship game loss in 2017, and he just hasn't been good at guard or center 
since. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't know what the Bears need to do to uh, replace uh, their guys if they, you know, if they, you know, I'd, you don't want to say it this way, but if somebody actually needs to get injured for them to make a change, you would hope it wouldn't come to that. But well, here's you know, that, the thing: that's, what, that's what's happened with the Vikings. It actually took an injury for them to put Ezra Cleveland out there at the guard spot rather than just trotting the two guys out there that had not been good this season. Okay. Well, I mean, the thing is, on Sunday, we we as Bear fans were, were expecting the worst um, from the team because we had, going into the week, one week one starter on the offensive line. Okay. We lost uh, James Daniel for the season with a pectoral injury week five against um, Tampa Bay. Okay. Uh, we lost him for the year. Um, Cody Whitehair, he hurt his calf or strained a calf or whatever, week seven against the Rams. That's two down. Bobby Massey goes down with, I'm, I'm hearing, an eight-week injury against the Saints the following week. So that's three starters down. And then Sam Mustafar, who was our backup center, hurt his knee against New Orleans. He didn't play last week against the uh, Titans. And um, Jason Spriggs, who was our swing tackle, starting at right tackle, tested positive for COVID last week. So we went into the Titans game with a seventh-round rookie left guard, our former crappy left guard in Rashad Coward, starting at right tackle. And um, who was it at right guard? Oh, Jermaine Afidi was actually on the COVID list because he came in close contact. Uh, he passed the protocols and was actually able to play. So, but we had three third-string offensive linemen starting for the Bears on Sunday, and our offensive line is what was single-handedly killing the team uh, play after play uh, in, the, in that football game. And um, I, I don't know what uh, Rashad Coward has on either Juan Castillo or Matt Nagy uh, <laughs> that is keeping him out on the field. I mean, I swear to God, everyone that I've talked to, every Bears podcast I've listened to cannot figure it out. Like, why do they keep putting him back out there? It's not for lack of options. We've got – I mean, we have other bodies. I mean, if, if this guy is terrible, you've you got to try somebody else out there. And it's just – it's, you know, the definition of ans- insanity. You keep doing the same thing over and over, expect different results – that's Rashad Coward in a nutshell right there. You know, he was actually not bad last year replacing Kyle Long at right guard. You know, he wasn't great. He wasn't good either. But he wasn't, you know, he wasn't killing us single-handedly week after week like he is now. And the funny thing was when, when James Daniels got hurt on Thursday night in that Tampa Bay game, Alex Bars, our second-year guy out of Notre Dame, was the first guy off the bench. He finished the game at left guard, and actually, after you know a shaky start, he played pretty well for the rest of the game. So we figured, okay, that's going to be our starting left guard against Carolina the following week. No, for whatever reason, it was Rashad Coward, and he has been awful the entire time he's been on the field, the last four games. And, you know, I was like, nobody knows what he's doing in practice or what everyone else isn't doing that's making Coward the overall choice for them to keep going back to him and it's it's just mind-numbing like oh there's a guy somebody missed the block and want to go back and look at it oh yeah it was Rashad Coward by a country mile he didn't even know the guy was there 
he ran right past him. So, I mean, it's so frustrating to sit and watch that, you know, we just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting it to work eventually, and it, it's just not. Well, I mean, if they want to take another week to evaluate Rashard Coward, I mean, that that's fine. I'm and sure that you guys will have no problem with that. But yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, I, I understand because, you know, it's what we heard every week, too, when, you know, Pat Elfline was getting run over and he got injured and Drew Samia went into his spot because, you know, people – Samia didn't play much last year. He basically got a redshirt year. He did play that season finale against Chicago in Minnesota – yeah, in Minnesota – the last game of the year when the Vikings just benched everybody because their playoff position wasn't going to change. And yeah, Elfline got hurt and he went out and Drew Samia was named as the starter and everyone was like, well, he can't be any worse than Pat Elfline was. And, you know, <laughs> lo and behold, he was worse than Pat Elfline was. And, you know, everyone was like, man, how bad does Ezra Cleveland have to be to not get to play ahead of Drew Samia? And, you know, Samia got hurt and, you know, Cleveland went out there and he had a, he had a rough game against Atlanta in his first game, but, yeah, these past two weeks, he's been pretty solid. So, yeah, I, I'm not – I can't speak for the Bears. I'm not sure how they're evaluating things and what they're doing, but that's kind of kind of how things fell for the Vikings at that uh, right guard spot. Well, I mean, and, and this is also in a season where it's like they, they, they just like flat out refuse to pull the trigger on a guy that is killing us week after week after week and it took Nagy two games and three quarters to yank Trubisky. You know, like they, you know, Trubisky wasn't good in that first game, had a great fourth quarter. That's what helped us win that game uh, against uh, Detroit. He had a solid first half and then was not very good in the second half against the Giants. Well, we didn't score a point in the second half. And then in the in week three against Atlanta, he threw a pick six that seemingly put the game out of reach for us and boom he's done and after the game I mean right after the game Nagy's like no it's it's Nick Foles not like oh no Trubisky's gonna start next week we just had to bench him go with it you know get a different vibe or whatever. like no 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 Nick Foles is a starter and we're not going back to Mitch and th- that was like you know hard line that's it we're done it's the Nick it's Nick Foles's football team now but we're watching Rashad Coward murder the team week in and week out and it's like yeah we're we're we're, we're putting him out there I mean why wouldn't we so, I mean, it, it's just – I don't understand what's going on. If he has a picture of the McCaskies with a farm animal or something, I don't know what it is <laughs> that he just keeps trotting that guy back out there or there if they're just so convinced that they want Rashad Coward to be the next James Big Cat Williams, that defensive lineman that they turned into a, you know, one of our all-time best offensive linemen. I love Big Cat Williams. He's one of my favorite <laughs> players ever. But Rashad Coward is definitely not – Big Cat Williams. He is not, you know, like he he's not someone that should have been playing offensive line at all instead of, you know, someone like Big Cat who should have been an offensive tackle all along. So it just I, I don't understand what's what's going on. And it's, you know, more frustrating than watching him perform badly is the fact that he stays out there. So no, no it, it- we never, we never do know exactly what it is the coaches see in practice, what it is they see on film. I mean, presumably they see the same things on film that we see, you know, <laughs> even though they don't have, or even though we don't have all the, all 22 all the time and whatnot. But yeah, it, it's really difficult to understand the infatuation that coaching staffs get with uh, particular players at times. And, you know, eventually 
somebody's going to come along and beat that guy out or, you know, he's going to get injured or whatever and not get his spot back. But, you know, it, you never can tell exactly what it is the coaches are looking at or how long it's going to take for it to finally, you know, for the light bulb to finally go on. So, yeah, at some point, at some point I'm guessing they'll make the change. But, yeah, I, I, I've had that feeling with a lot of players in the past and sure, sure. Not, have not gotten the infatuation with uh, particular players so yeah it is, it, it yeah. is curious to you know to see that it's like i don't uh, well i mean i've i've also that watched that for years with the bears with ryan pace and basically his offensive lineman like for the life of me i don't understand what ryan pace sees in charles leno i've <laughs> i've failed to see it from the moment he took over at left tackle you know it's like we we didn't have a high bar to cross when jamarcus webb was our starting uh, left tackle. The only thing I give Jamarcus Webb credit for was that he was healthy and he was out there when we were having injuries across the offensive line and missing guys here and there and all that kind of stuff. Aside from that, I would have put a bullet between his ears if it was legal. You know, like just put him out of his misery, put me out of mine having to watch him get Jay Cutler killed week in and week out because he's a terrible offensive tackle. But, you know, he he not only does he did he bring Leno back, he signed him to a you know, an extension and, you know, and all that kind of stuff is like, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. And Leno has just been one of the worst left tackles we've ever had, in my opinion. I just, he makes me insane, but Pace loves him. So he's out there. And, you know, it just makes you wonder what they see or what he's doing in practice or, you know, you know, or maybe he's just a great salesman can talk himself out of anything. Like when it, we'll see what happened was this guy did that, and I thought here, and so and so made this call, so that's why I stepped to the outside. And he's like, I, I don't know, I don't know what it, what all the factors goes into. But it's like as a as a as a guy sitting on his couch, you know, watching the game, it's like I just don't see what what's keeping that guy on the field, what keeps them bringing him back year after year. Uh, and things like that, and like you said, it we've seen it in 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 both of our rosters over the various years we've been fans and watching, especially in the last several years, watching closely like we we have, but and and yet somehow that guy's still out there and you know helping kill that section of the team week in and week out, but they keep trotting him out there, so they must be giving him points for attendance or something because I can't explain anything else. No, I think I think Elfline might actually fall into that category. Like I said, he was <laughs> he was successful. He was, he was fairly successful in his first year when he started at center, and then he got hurt. And I think part of it is kind of the justification of you know we spent a third round pick on this guy. We're going to give him as many chances as we can give him before we finally decide to pull the plug. And yeah, I, I think that that's the that's the primary example that I can think of for for Minnesota in recent years. I mean, I could say Laquan Treadwell, but he didn't get enough playing time to really, you know, just, or to really put him in that category. Yeah. But yeah, we, we see it. We, I'm sure there are fans of, you know, Green Bay probably has their guys that are like that. Detroit does. Every team has their guys that are like that. The people yeah. just don't understand the fascination that the coaching staff has with them. But, you know, like we said, they see him every day in practice and whatnot. And they're, obviously seeing different stuff than we are so they just keep running them out there until they're just completely out of chances yeah and i guess you know every coach has his guy you know and you know that's sometimes that's all it is the coach wants him out there he so 
He's the one calling the shots, so we got to put him on the field, regardless of how anybody else feels about it. He's going to be our starter, and we're, we're putting him out there. And head coach, you know, he's the lord and ruler of the team, so we got to put him out there, and, and there he goes. But um, that doesn't stop it from, from sucking any less, that's for sure. But, yeah, um, yeah. so I'm – you know, Chris, I, I, I've, I'm – the last few weeks, I have the conversations I've been having – with my guest were to help me alleviate my stress going into the game. You know, worried about the Rams, worried about the Saints, worried about the Titans. After talking with my guests, I did feel better about our chances going into it. <laughs> I already feel terrible about our chances going into it. And tr- honestly, the, the history of this rivalry, how it usually works out, uh, and, and all that kind of stuff, in this upside-down world that we're living in in 2020, I don't have virtually any faith whatsoever that that's going to continue uh, this year. Traditions have been bucked all over the place uh, this year, and um, you know it's it's just been too crazy for me to have any comfort in the fact that the Bears win nine times out of ten uh, in Chicago. Uh, you know, the hell with Kirk Cousins being winless. On Monday night, if if anything, it's he's due for a Monday night win. So why wouldn't this be the one? You know, so it's just uh, you know Dalvin Cook was the leading rusher in the NFL the last two years when he went to Chicago was not the leading rusher in the NFL when he left Chicago, and you know that'll probably change this year. He'll be 150 yards ahead of Derrick Henry by the time this thing is over with. So let's just say the glass is half empty for me. Uh, right now with the way that we've played I'm expecting the Vikings to win uh, on Monday and and do it rather uh, handily just because we got nothing even if we manage to slow Dalvin Cook down um, we don't have anything on the offensive side that could keep up with you like you were saying that you know 21 points seems to be you know where the where the Vikings you know give up any more than that and we'll win we'll our magic number on defense is seven. If we give up any more than seven points, our offense is screwed, and you know you can just count it as a W for, for the other team. So, if uh, when you kick that that field goal to go up ten nothing in the second quarter, we can just start wrapping things up. All right, how's that sound? Uh, well, I mean, me and my fellow Vikings fans would appreciate that. I'm sure <laughs> just to not have to deal with the stress of you know sitting there and watching a game in Chicago and every you know five minutes screaming, how the hell did that happen? Right. Is that that's basically what happens? I mean, some of the games we've talked about the uh, the epic shootout between Gus Farrat and I can't even remember who the the Bears quarterback was in that one, but it was a game where it wound up being like forty eight to forty one or something. I remember that game. Was, yeah, and, that was uh, yeah. Kyle Orton was our quarterback was, that year. That's who yeah. it was. I couldn't think of the guy at first, but yeah, yeah that, that was. There's always weird stuff that happens. That was a crazy oh, game. I remember that one. Yeah, it really, it really was weird. But uh, yeah, that you know, just when we start feeling good about the Vikings, you know, that ninety percent of being a Vikings fan is just waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> basically, that's basically our entire existence. And you know, we just when you start feeling good about something, it's like, oh, hey, we're going to Soldier Field. Oh, crap. <laughs> you know. It, it, it's just it's just that place where you know momentum goes to die for this yeah. team basically it's just no matter how good the vikings are no matter how bad the bears are or vice versa mm-hmm. it it's always weird going to chicago and you know 
we can talk about how 2020 has just been completely upside down and everything. Mm-hmm. I would like to see the Vikings get a comfortable win in Chicago, but yeah. I just can't, you know, <laughs> bring myself to actually believe that that's going to happen. So right. uh, it's, it's going to be another interesting chapter in the uh, Vikings-Bears rivalry. Hopefully uh, Mike Zimmer can finally get the Matt Nagy monkey off his back. He got yeah. Matt Moore. He got Matt LaFleur a couple weeks ago, finally. So, yeah, uh, Zimmer's Zimmer's 0-4 against uh, Matt Nagy. And Mm -hmm. this this would be as good a time as any for him to change that. So we'll see if he can get that done on Monday night. Well, Chris, I might not feel any better about our chances, but I personally feel better knowing that you feel as badly about this game as I do. Like, you're expecting impending uh, disaster because you've seen it happen year after year. I'm expecting <laughs> impending disaster because I've watched my team play for the last nine weeks. So, uh, n- you know, no one's feeling good about this game. Both of us will be thrilled if we win. Neither will be surprised if we lose. So I, I will take that. I will take it uh, going into this game that Viking fans are expecting to lose. So no one will really be upset with the result when it comes down late on Monday night. How does that work? That's- Absolutely. I mean, yeah, no, at, when it comes to these two teams at this point, nobody should be surprised by anything. Right. Exactly. Like, exactly. You know, this, team, this team could go out and win by 40. They could go out and lose by 40. I mean, I wouldn't expect either of those things to happen, but right. you know, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. And hopefully, you know, like we talked about earlier on, if the Vikings can somehow get their hands on this victory, then that could probably propel them to. Uh, something significant over the second half of this season but yep just got to do it one game at a time and hopefully uh, Monday night will be uh, win number three in a row for this team but I'm not going to go so far as to say that it's you know locked up or anything like that it's 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 in the book it's in the books so all right well I think we can finish there Chris thanks so much uh, for coming back let's do it again say in what five six weeks um you know, uh, which ironically is not week 17 in Minnesota. But as you pointed out when we talked this summer, still the home finale for the Vikings. So we're still doing it at the end of the season for the Vikings in Minnesota, no matter what. Yep. Week 15 before the last two games on the road. So, yeah, the last uh, home game, just as every other year at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, as will feature the Chicago Bears <laughs> and the Minnesota Vikings, which is just that that's about as strange as it gets. So, yeah. I don't know how the schedule keeps working out that way, but it has. I think they just do it to mess with us, you know. Like, why <laughs> wouldn't you have the Bears go into the more hostile territory during the nicer time of the year and, yeah. you know, maybe have uh, a game between two NFC Central teams in the elements in Chicago at late in the year? I think it would be fun to have oh, a game yeah. like that. But instead, we're indoors in Minnesota. We're outside would be a hell of a football game between the Bears and the Vikings, but indoors, weather's not a factor. It feels like we're kind of being cheated by the yeah. NFL with this rivalry. So I would I would enjoy a December visit in Soldier Field from the Vikings. Much like that game, you know, not not trying to dig it in, but, you know, how cold it was and everything, that Monday night game between, you know, that Devin Romish to do game at the end of the end of the year. It was fun watching the Bears and the Vikings play, and you could see everybody's breath at the line of scrimmage and things like that yeah. that was nice so i hopefully in 2021 we can get that fixed uh in the schedule but um we'll talk to you again uh, we'll be right before the christmas holiday play december 20th uh this year instead of celebrating new year's together we'll uh we'll celebrate christmas how's that sound 
Sounds good, man. I'm already looking forward to it. All right. Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman. You can catch him uh, online. What What's the – you got a weird name on the on the Twitter account. What is it these days? Oh, I generally just use the uh, at Daily Norseman account. Okay. But it's like it's got like a weird title to it. It's something about so, was oh, it socially distancing or so, something yeah, like that? Socially distancing. It's one of those ah, nice. thingies. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Hey, was that you that posted about UHF today? That was. That was me. Okay, great. Because I, I actually just watched that when I was at my dad's house uh, <laughs> for the holiday. And like you said, criminally underrated. I could not believe how much I was still laughing at this like 32-year-old movie. It made me sad to know that it's that old. Yeah, uh, it, as it well. really does. It yeah. came out when I was like in the fifth or sixth grade or something like that. So. <laughs> something like that. All right, Chris. Thanks so much, man. We'll see you again in a few weeks. All righty. Have a good one, Larry. want to thank Chris Gates, of course, for uh, being our guest and helping us preview this game between the Bears and the Vikings. And also want to thank Chris for his service. Today is uh, recording this on Wednesday on Veterans Day. Chris is an active member uh, of our military. And so we want to thank him for his service and all of our armed forces uh, out there at home and abroad. Um, This is your day. So salute uh, to you. you know, like I said, I, I the last few weeks I've been using this phone, this conversation uh, to preview these games kind of as a therapy session to kind of help me wrap my head around the fact that the way, despite the Bears have been, way the Bears have been playing, they have a shot to uh, win this game. They're, they're, they're not out of, uh, out of, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And I've walked away feeling better about that. And this conversation was kind of the, opposite um you know i there's a lot of evidence that says the bears can win this game number one um they just uh basically shut down derrick henry um you know 68 yards on like 21 carries and things like that so it's possible that we could slow down and or stop uh dalvin cook not to mention he was the leading rusher in the league coming into the last two games and the Bears also shut him down uh, there. Um, the the fact that this game is taking place in Chicago, the Bears always win uh, this game in Chicago. Nine times out of ten, we win in Chicago. Um, Kirk Cousins, 0-9 on Monday night. We're playing this game on Monday night. So it's like there's a lot of stuff that leans the Bears' way, but then it just comes down in the end to playing the goddamn game. And lately – that is the part that has really been messing the Bears up is, you know, just having to actually go out and perform and and earn a victory. And uh, we haven't done that in uh, going on four weeks. And uh, I shudder to think what the what the reality of this season will be if the Vikings win this game against us uh, on Sunday. And uh, I don't like our chances, um, despite all the history uh, and everything. It's... Um, they're playing too well, and we're not playing well at all. And, um, you know, it just seems like this is a year where traditions don't exist uh, kind of thing. So uh, I won't be surprised if the Bear and like I said at the beginning of the conversation, like Chris and I just said to each other there at the end, I won't be surprised if we win uh, just based on the reality of how these teams are playing right now. 
Um, I won't be surprised if we lose uh, either. To hell with history and what usually happens. You know, what usually happens isn't happening in society right now. So um, why would it be any different uh, in the NFL? So anyway, I'm going to take my half-empty glass, and I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up. I'll try to be a bit more optimistic when we meet again tomorrow for our final preview to wrap things up and get you ready for the weekend for Bears-Vikings on Monday night. And... um, you know, see if I can in the next 24 hours find a, a way to be a little bit more positive or, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm very cynical uh, these days. The Bears are kind of harshing my vibe, dude. So uh, we'll see what we can come up with uh, for the for the deep dive uh, tomorrow. So come on back tomorrow for the, our for our final preview to get you ready for week 10 Bears Vikings on Monday. And until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.